Vega. Wig. Hey, Diva. I'm sorry. It was such a nightmare for a moment. Oh, it's okay, Diva. How are you doing? I'm, I'm eh. Is vaccine fraud a thing? Will you let me borrow a wig? <laughs> you want to double up? <laughs> yeah, girl. Double me up, girl. Give well, me- you're more than welcome to borrow my new wig that I'm having Ethel Loveless make. Give me, give me the Fitzker vaccine and the Moderna vaccine. There's a third, third vaccine. I might go get another wig and just be like, you know what? Here I am again. Here we are, girls. And then the news, local man. Trump's gonna ask for a recount. And be like, recount the antibodies. Recount the antibodies. Recount the antibodies. (laughs) You're so stupid, girl. I want if. Someone was like, it's a way of control. I was like, girl, you know what? If there's a microchip in the vaccine, put the damn microchip in me. Boots. Give me the mark of the beast. I don't care. I want to see my friends well, again. If this is, if like, if by some chance the evangelicals are right, thank God. We need to like rapture them. Jesus. Jesus, come get your kids. I just don't want to see any of them naked whenever their clothes manifest into thin air and no, girl, they, they just vanish and their clothes are left behind. That depends on, on which, uh, which, uh, which version fictional, you yeah, which fictional book you're reading. Oh, well, in my church, when the rapture came, everyone just vanished into thin air. Girl, the rapture's gonna happen while we're in quarantine. I'm gonna look outside my house and be like, uh, uh. also, like, what if someone gets raptured while they're flying a plane? I think they. I think there was a scene of that and um, Left Behind. One of them. Okay. Have you have you read the Left Behind novels? Yes, girl. Okay, because I had to read. I had to read Left Behind the kids. Oh, but yeah, I hope it comes soon. I miss seeing my friends. I miss not being. I miss not having to wear a mask when performing. I miss being able to perform and not feel dirty. I mean, honestly, I might just start wearing a mask even after all of this. Oh yeah, no. That I think that people, I think mass culture needs to stay a thing, especially oh, yeah. like people who are kind of have a cold. Yeah. Like imagine a world where whenever you have like a cold or you you feel like it's just a little bit under the way the weather, you go ahead and wear a mask just to like protect. Okay. Girl, flu season would not be as bad as it is. Like, tea. And we're gonna have to deal with COVID for the rest of our lives, apparently. So. Love that for us. Wear your mask. Keep wearing your damn mask. So this is our first episode back. Yeah. After two long weeks. Did you miss it? Yeah, honestly. Like when we didn't record last week, I was like, man, I just want to be gay. Just want to be gay. I was too nervous. Like like the week before with the election, I was like, girl, mm." Yeah, no, that had us both. I think that had all the queers stressed out. Well, like, and honestly, I just don't think we were vibing with with Next Generation. I'm vibing with Next Generation. You hate it. I don't hate it. I just think you it's... You don't like it at all, and you, you don't want to... You just don't... You don't vibe with it, and that's okay. You know, that's fine. It's just not... It's, it's not my cup of tea, but it's fine if it's yours. I'm not going to mock you and belittle you for years for it and bring it up every time you have an opinion. Is that a slight because I mock you for Halloween yes. things? That's fair and valid, I suppose. Although I you did admit that it wasn't a good movie and I don't act like it's uh, the best movie ever made. 
I will That's point out that Elfman 3, Season of Witch, has merchandise uh, and is beloved by horror fans, as you've seen, um, whereas Texas Chainsaw Next Generation, uh, no one's out here with the with Renee t-shirts. To be fair, it didn't get a theatrical release and they made it impossible to find. Okay. It is just as kooky and goofy as Halloween 3. I stand by the next generation. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. No, we are here to talk about um, the beloved. Weirdly beloved. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Weirdly beloved. Because to me, this movie isn't queer. No, I don't really get a queer reading from it. That was going to be my first question for you is, do you get yeah. a queer reading? I don't like, really I get a queer reading. I, I can see where you can get that idea um, with some of the plot points, but no, I just, I, I don't think it's queer. Um, yeah, so- don't either. The only, the only thing that I could maybe see somebody like taking a really big leap and saying, this movie's kind of gay, is about Paimon being covetous of a male body, but not, I don't, I don't vibe. Well, I think that everybody loves gay and not. I think that gays will probably love it more and longer because of the performances and we stand Tony Collette like really, really hard. Yeah. Well, anyways, we are talking about the beloved film from A24 and Ari Oster, Hereditary, starring Tony motherfucking Collette. And Alex Wolf of the Naked Brothers Band. Did you know that he was from the Naked Brothers Band whenever you watched this? Yes. I didn't. I just found out actually today. Wig. It also, I was watching interviews of them. It also has um the Charlie. Charlie was one of the original Broadway Matildas. Yeah. Matilda musical came out. Um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Millie Shapiro. Yes, Millie Shapiro. She's an e-girl now. I love it. Really? We love to see it. Yeah, girl, go go on her Instagram as soon as we're done and okay. look. Her. She is so precious. Wig. Her and Alex and the like. I watched some of the videos of the press circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was just curious. Like, I wonder how the actors felt about this movie, and it seemed like they all really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And he like because this was her first movie. Yeah. Period. And he would like. She's really well spoken for oh, someone yeah. who had to do this a lot, and he just like guided her. He was such a good brother, yeah. and was uh, it was just it was just really cute. Oh, I like seeing, I like seeing that kind of relationship between actors. I think it's it's really sweet. You can tell oh, that they all really liked working with each other and with uh, Ali Aster as well. I want to see both of them in more stuff. Like Same I know boot. everyone was kind of like, oh, he was a Naked Brothers band, but like honestly, he's. Uh, this movie, he's a really good actor in this movie. I thought he was older than he was when I, before I knew that he was one of the Naked Brothers band guys. Uh-huh. Um, I just, I, I didn't realize how young he was. He was 21 whenever he filmed this. When did this movie come out? 2017. How old was I? We're on the same age then. He'd be about 24. Yeah, he's right? 23. I think he's 23. Yeah, so we're on the same age. I just so when was the first time you saw this movie? Um, I believe we watched it in theaters because I remember I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Okay, I saw it in theaters by myself um, before work one day, and then I had to go to work. And I was like, my boss was like, "How was your movie, honey?" And I was like, 
I'm thoroughly depressed. Yeah. <laughs> I love how excited we got whenever we were talking about doing uh, about covering hereditary. And we were like, bitch, wig, yes, I love hereditary. Tony Collette, <laughs> wig, mama. And then I sit down and watch it. You know how I watch every movie we we talk yeah. about, I watch like repeatedly. Yeah, and yeah. I watched this movie four times in the past two days. <sighs> It's a doozy. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I like. I tried to watch it twice in a row, and I was like, I can't do this because you know how I always, you know, my process. I watch a movie. I watch the movie that we what, that we talked about without doing my notes, and then like I watch it again and like do my notes. This time I couldn't watch it all the way through in one sitting for a second time because it's so depressing. It's really depressing. Like this movie. Like so, I was watching it and like. 30 minute chunks basically yeah i couldn't take i couldn't i couldn't really take very many notes to be honest when you when you watch it in 30 minute chunks it's not as depressing yeah because you get time to decompress and process what the fuck you just saw the movie like the whole movie just it deals with grief in like a really interesting way Mm -hmm. um and they talked about it and interviews about how it was a point, like they made it a point to not really give like any, like not to provide like a perfect hero. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah like yeah. everybody does something that's, that's kind of fucked up. Um, and I think out of everyone, the dad is kind of the least culpable. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like he's just, not that he's not just there, like obviously he's a victim too, but um, he's not really one of the main characters. Not really, no. He's kind of like the only reasonable authority in the entire film, and then like, I guess his main flaw is he didn't he didn't get Annie the help she needed at sooner. You know what I mean? I mean, how was he to know that there was going to be a, a cult? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. So- so okay, when you first watched Hereditary, mm-hmm. did you feel lied to? Because that was a reaction a lot of people had. I um, did, but not in a bad way. A lot of people didn't like the twist. They didn't okay. because I I went into it and I was a little bit skeptical because I saw um, a girl with an assumed um, difficulty or, or disability or what have you. Yeah. Um, and I, I was like, please don't make this like, please don't make this some kind of like unfortunate and uncomfortable movie about a girl with a, a difficult, like a mental difficulty or something. Yeah. And her be like this, this monster or something like, please don't make it that. And that's what it kind of looked like. Like, you know, she's going like the, the trailer was just tongue clicks and her walking and you assume like you're fill you're they're building dread with this little girl. Turns out this little girl um, isn't really even the main character. Not no, and not on, not only that, but um, I didn't get this watching it the first like three times I watched it. It wasn't until I I rewatched it again um, yesterday, uh, the day before yesterday, and today um, that I I realized she's not. I don't think she. I don't. I don't think Charlie was ever Charlie. I think that at birth, Charlie was made to be Paimon, Payman. No, I don't buy that. 
Do you not? Because think about it, like no. Charlie. At the end of the movie, whole- they say to Charlie, "They say Charlie, Charlie, it's okay. You're um, you're Paimon. You're payment. You and- gotta stop saying Paimon. I'm my bad girl. I read it whenever I, I read the the uh, Kia Solomon many many years ago, and I kind of just made the words okay. like the words I couldn't pronounce. So now they're can't. The film four time where they say his name. Yeah, they do. Anyway, so Payman um, is is Charlie. Charlie is Payman to me. I don't. I don't. I no. That's not how I watched. That's not what I got from the film. That's not what I got the first several times I watched it. I, I've never gotten that from the film because the whole process is the whole point is they're trying to bring him to life. I think she was definitely maybe influenced in a way, but I don't think the ritual was ever completed because Charlie was, was a girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd really like to see more of, of what the director felt um, like what he has to say about this, because it's such a, it's such a complicated lore too, because it's pulling from a, um, from, uh, I'm going to say real, like, lore with yeah. and and they don't really go into it like the movie doesn't that's what i really liked about the movie is they don't they don't bother to explain any of that like at no point do they sit down and explain the cult shit at all Mm-mm. they kind of hit you with it out of nowhere because like so when i first watched the movie um i didn't expect the twist to happen um and going so, forward, spoiler alerts, we are going to talk about the twist. Okay. So if you haven't seen Hereditary, it's on, uh, it's on Amazon Prime. So stop this podcast, go listen, go watch it, and then come back and listen to us talk about it. Um, so <laughs> the twist happened. We, we'll, we'll talk about the twist when we go to the scene by scene. Um, when we get into talking about it more because right now we're just talking about it generally um so the twist happens and i was like oh okay um i guess it's it's like a ghost story then because that's kind of the vibe you get at first when you see the grandma at and the in the um while charlie's at school when you see the grandma across the street you're like oh okay she's she's obviously possessed she's obviously not possessed She's obviously being haunted by her grandma because her grandma obviously has this connection to her. Um, and then the twist happens. You're like, okay, maybe the grandma is going to attack Peter because Peter's responsible for what just happened. And then it, and then it's like, oh, here's the ghost, and it's just more ghost stuff. And you're like, okay, this is kind of a ghost story without the ghost. Yeah, you know what I mean, like they never. I've been trying they, to figure out: is it a possession film? Is it a like? Is it a? Is it like a uh, Rosemary's Baby cult film? That's what. So everyone, everyone described this movie to me as Rosemary. I saw a review that called it Rosemary's Baby for the millennial generation. I can buy that. I can buy that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can buy it with that. Um. Let's hope Ari Oster isn't as horrible of a person as Roman Polanski. Yes. <laughs> um, but and then it and then it just kinda 
goes off the rail not off the rails but it's like like the last i want to say hour of the movie just hits you it just yeah. takes no breaks it's like hey boom 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 and you're like oh fucking shit fuck because it oh god i really love this film only 30 minutes in you get a decapitation yeah yeah you do of a um, child yeah and then you get that close-up mm-hmm. of her head which is just ugh. okay which is so all practical like, effects by the way oh wig mm-hmm. did do you ever go to funerals and like you feel sad but not really yeah okay okay which is kind of like like the, like i agree like that's a weird like it's just a weird state to be you know like, I should feel this way, but I just don't. It's a very, like... Hold on, I'm getting a pillow for my side. It's a very, like, troubling feeling to be in a place where there is a, a body, mm-hmm. a cold body, and people around you who are either all mourning or they're all feeling like kind of like how you are. Like you're not sure you're, you're kind of ashamed a bit that you don't feel what you think you're supposed to feel. Yeah. And I thought that they really nailed that on the head. Like she had a, you know, she was estranged from her mom and had a lot of hangups and resentments to her. And now she's having to deliver this address to, to essentially honor her mother for what it is. Um, that's, that's tough. That's a tough thing to tackle. And a lot of, and, and we're, I think at some point everybody loses somebody that they're not really sure how to feel about it. Whether yeah. it's a, a father that you, you know, sure struggled with or a grandparent who mistreated you or um, a former lover who, you know, didn't work out and things ended poorly like everybody experiences at some point or even someone like a relative that like was around but you weren't close to yeah that too where it's like i know how to feel but i don't feel that yeah and then you have to and then you have to try and suss out in your mind is this is this me being am i a cold asshole or and it's just a normal feeling. And even if you yeah. know the answer, like, you know, we all, if, if you were, if you lost somebody and you're like, girl, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. Am I supposed to be sad? I would say, feel however you want to feel. Which I mean, that doesn't, I feel like if you're having that question, you're like, how should, how am I supposed to feel? I don't feel like you're an asshole because you know the correct way to feel. You just don't feel it. And I don't think that makes you an asshole. No, I don't either. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we all know the answer is feel, yeah, how, you're, yeah. feel how you feel. This funeral is, the funerals are not for the dead. They're for the living to, process and if you were to have something like this happen and not know how to feel i would tell you that but if it happened like if that happened to me i couldn't tell myself that necessarily i would need someone else to validate that i'm not a fucking asshole yeah and that's what the husband does too i actually really like the relationship quite a bit i he he i think the like he has a name i think it's sam steve Steve, Steve. Um, watching the first time, I didn't pay a lot of attention to him. Watching it again, I paid more attention to him. 
because like man he doesn't really get much much like character stuff but mm-hmm. he gets he gets really quiet beats you know yeah I mean? you can see you, you can you see, see he's, that about he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to hold this family together um he loves his wife and he's supportive of her and her career and her art and her creative mind. And he knows that she's clearly troubled. I think he was the one. I don't, I can't confirm this. I, I kind of got the feeling that he was the one leaving notes around for her. I get that vibe. I it's could, never I been, see- it was never said, but like they're very encouraged. They're, they're the kind of encouraging notes that you would leave a loved one. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Um, and then when she goes to the when when Annie, which is her name, not Tony motherfucking Colette. <laughs> I'm gonna when call she goes Tony motherfucking Colette. When she goes to the the support group, and like you find all this stuff out about like her family's history, I was like, oh, are we gonna go to, like the mental illness route? Is she gonna like start losing her shit? And, like, it's hereditary because, like, mental illnesses are hereditary. Yeah, I think that he did that on purpose, too, to keep... Because he does a really good job of making... Like, rather than just doing a whole bunch of things and never letting them play out for the sake of throwing a curveball, everything that happens in this movie has a place. But it doesn't ha- it doesn't go the place that you think it's going to go. So we have, at like, from the trailer and from the beginning of the movie, with her cutting little bird the birdie head off, we think that Charlie is, is going to be the, the big bad. Charlie gets decapitated, right? Then we see, um, you know, Tony's going to, to, you know, we've gotten Tony's, or uh, Annie's backstory. And we find out that there's a history of schizophrenia in her family. In like Um, schizophrenia and then dissociative identity disorder and like psychotic depression. There's a lot. A lot. And and on top of that, lots and lots and lots of trauma. So we're led to think maybe she's, you know, some people um, thought that the movie was going to be like her being the, like her having been the one torturing her family all this time. Yeah. Um, And the dad kind of, um, Steve kind of stands in for that, that audience member at the end where he's like, it was you, wasn't it? You dug up your mother all those nights that you said you were going to the movies. Um, I think he kind of stands in as the audience in that moment for for those who who kind of thought she might be the one being crazy or whatever um but she you know she's just it, it ends up that she's not you know she's she's a she's a she's a helpless helpless victim and uh-huh. none of Which, all of this was decided for her at, at birth basically well they even mention it like if you know did you pick up on peter's class stuff it's oh yeah of, the whole fate thing yeah didn't it feel like Halloween? Like whenever whenever the teacher is talking about fate. Do you remember that scene in Halloween? Whenever she looks out the window no. and sees Michael standing there and then she answers the question and looks back and he's gone? No. You don't? Oh my it, God. It didn't, I remember that scene. It doesn't remind me of that scene at all, though. I get that because it was um, like they have multiple people. Oh, and that's another thing and that I, I, I was really impressed with the, as far as the writing and directing goes. They used the different schoolmate uh, classmates' answers because um, the question is: Is it better or worse that uh, I believe it was um, not Hercules? Is it tragic or is it is it more tragic or less tragic that it was always fated that 
this was going to happen. One person says that it's less tragic. One person says that it's more tragic. So there's like this whole like stand in again for the audience to kind of make you think like, and it, and it's also setting up that these, you know, he was blind to all of the signs and he, I don't think is necessarily Peter. Um, but Annie, uh, because Annie saw that she sees the mat at Joan's house and she even comments on it and says, that's so weird. My mom had a mat, makes mats just like those. And Joan's like, oh, how interesting, and leaves it alone. Um, she's got all of those books at home of her mother's things, like all of her mother's things that she never went through uh, that have photos of Joan and, and this weird cult-like stuff and her in a white gown adorned with coins. Like, the signs were there. Peter. Peter's Peter until the very end. Yeah, until, she, until he dies and from jumping out the window. Yeah, Peter's Peter until the very end. Um, because so there's that. And then the party scene, I was kind of like, oh, this isn't going to go well. You just know it's not going to go well. No, no. Especially whenever he's going off off the smoke. Like, I just assumed Charlie was going to, like, run away. And, like, Peter was going to have to go run out after and then, like... As soon as there was cake involved, I knew. I didn't under I, because I that was one of the things that I picked up on in the first scene. They mentioned, does that have nuts in it? Okay, because I don't have the EpiPen. Like, I immediately knew that was going to come into play at some point. And then they're at a party where they're unsupervised. And mm-hmm. he's like, go get Kate. Go, it's fine. And she's hesitant. But, you know, she goes and does yeah. it. I knew there was going to be peanuts in it. I knew it. And then, and then, and then Charlie even said, so Charlie says something really interesting when she bursts in the room. Because you at this point you just think Peter's like, oh, whatever, my little sister. But then like once he realizes Charlie's in danger, when she says my throat's getting bigger, he like you see him go in like big brother mode, be like, Oh fuck, my sister's in trouble. Yeah, at no point did I ever feel like he thought that she was just a burden. No more than a yeah. big brother thinks a little sister is a burden. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't want to take her trick or treating. Like it's very that. And I never once suspected that he didn't that he wasn't a good brother to her. Yeah. So so when I first watched the movie, when when the when the when the accident happens, I didn't think Charlie was dead at first. Really? No, I was like, oh, she's gonna be like in a coma. But then, like watching it again, you hear the you crack. Hear, you hear the snap, and you see you see the squel- you see the blood. Yeah. Um. So I was like. Uh... Also, at this point, I want to point out. So, the color red in this film always means something bad is happening. Did you notice that? Did you pick up on that at all? Believe it or not, you know how I am about colors and movies. I did not pay attention to the colors in this movie. Really? Yeah, I know. That's that's something I picked up on because when 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 after Peter hits Charlie, you see, or after after the. Charlie hits the telephone bolt. You kind of like there's there's that red glow of the like um, of the taillights, um, which obviously something bad just happened. But then like when Annie goes and sleeps upstairs in the um, in the treehouse with all the heaters, uh huh. The heaters are glowing red, and that's the first time we hear Charlie's clicking. Um, oh. Also, if you look. 
if you look at Peter's eyes, because like this is another thing I picked up, but if you look at Peter's eyes, his eyes are reflecting the glow of the heater. So his eyes look like they're glowing red, like he's possessed. Hmm. Um, also, guess who wears a red jacket the whole film? Joan. Joan. Because she's an evil bitch. Wig. I know I didn't. I actually didn't do a color story. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that, but, but to me, that's too much of a common occurrence in the film for it to not be. You yeah, know what I mean? That's, I would expect... I would expect um, a film with this much self-awareness in its storytelling to and like visual storytelling that's maybe probably why I didn't pick up on it there is so much to unpack in this movie every time I've like, watched it I've found some, a little something new and I'm like yeah. wig I feel like you, can, I, you and I could do this movie once a year and pick up different things each each time yeah hereditary annual episode but god so um also i'm just gonna say it um the scene after peter just walks upstairs after he knows what he just did and like oh my god it cuts to him just lying awake oh because i mean how could you sleep and then annie you hear that's why i love the most you don't you don't see annie finding the body you hear it. Yeah, and it's so effective. It's more effective to me that you... It's more effective. It's more effective. Because you're just watching Peter's face as he knows what's happening. You even hear her talking, like, um, I'll be right back. I'll be back in 20. And yeah. you hear her grab the keys or whatever and, and head out. You hear the door open, and then you hear the the, the blood-curdling scream. Ugh. Ugh. And then her, like, screaming. She's like, no, no, no. I just want to die. Um, that's me every morning. I have to like wake <laughs> up, get ready for work. That was such a painful scene. She is so good. She's so good. Why didn't she get an Oscar for this film? I, you said it. This film, this performance, is my favorite performance of her of hers since Sixth Sense. Have you not seen United States of Terra? I'm uh, I'm strictly talking movies. My oh, okay. I should preface that. I don't care because the the and and television the it's it's more drawn out. Um, so I don't feel like it would be fair. But so United States of Terra was three characters or four five characters. She is a chameleon. She really is. Did you know she's Australian? Yes. I did not know this. I learned you know, that- she has an album. Huh? She's the lead singer of a band. They put out one album. Are you kidding? No. She sings? Yes. Wig. Queen of the Gays, Tony Collette. She's given us a, an album and multiple movies to stand. I love her. Your move, Lady Gaga. <laughs> Okay, honestly, what's the scariest part of this film for you? Um, it's between her thawing her own head off, which was deeply, deeply disturbing for me, mm-hmm. um, or the scene where she's sobbing 
um, and begging her husband to throw the book in the fire because she's too scared to do it herself because she she knows that it's going to catch her on fire so she can't bring herself to do it. And That's the like, part for you? Well, it, it's the part where, like, because you're, you're, you're dread, like, I'm full of, by this point of the movie, the first time watching, I'm... You're full of dread. This movie's really good at making you full of dread, but also you cannot look away. No, I couldn't. I, I left, the, there were multiple times watching this that I, that I really, I really thought I was going to throw up. And... You just, you, you couldn't, you couldn't be like, okay, I have to stop. Like, it, yeah. it, it is hard for me to pause the movie because I'm like, God, it's just so, he's so good at building tension. Yeah. And like, I have to know what happens next, even though this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And then it just gets worse. Yeah. And, well, it's it, that whole, like, the whole building of dread leading up to, like, seeing her plead. I've already seen her catch on fire whenever she put the book in there. So I, as a viewer, I'm, I'm, I'm concrete. And my belief that this book She's will go in there. She believes that this that if she throws if if the book is thrown in there that she will be the one to catch on fire. Um, so she's begging him to do it so that she'll catch on fire, and the curse be broken. She has no reason to think that it'll catch him on fire. Um, if he were to throw it in there, I don't think she was trying to like pass it off, like pass the curse off or anything like that. I think it was just yeah, it was she was unable to do it herself. So. You get like he, he he's gonna go throw it in there. I'm expecting to get the payoff, the not the payoff that I want, just the payoff. Like if she's gonna catch on fire, she's gonna die. He's gonna get the kid and run. Um, no, she grabs the book from him because he refuses to throw it throw it in there. She throws it in there and then he immediately catches on fire. Yeah, I, that that terrifies me because she's trying to do the brave thing, and she watches the 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 love of her life die because I, of like in a the most like in a most traumatic way watching him burn up in front of her yeah and then immediately she loses all of her agency and she's possessed and fucking climbing walls and shit yeah so real quick let's talk about the scene for me i think the scariest scenes are the two seance scenes yeah with, uh, those were really with, scary where jones like no, 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 no. I figured out how to do it. it. It's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And she's like calling out to her dead grandson. And like Joan is fully lost in the sauce during that scene. Do we believe that there really was a dead grandson? I think so, because you see the glass move. I think she was telling the truth. I think she was still in on it. So if that's the case... If she really was communicating with her dead grandson. I mean, she's obviously in on it because Oh yeah, no, we already know. She's the leader. She's like the the leader now that um her mother's dead. So if she's if she is really communicating with her dead grandson, then I do believe that Charlie was Charlie. This whole time that's the only thing that makes me say, you know what, maybe Charlie was really Charlie and wasn't Paimon all along, but just Paimon or Paimon didn't know that Payment, not Paimon. What did I? I thought I was. I corrected myself because I thought I was saying it wrong. See, it doesn't feel natural. Anyway, um, you correct yourself to the wrong thing. Whatever. Um, what was I saying? Um, talking about Charlie being Paimon. Payman. Yes. So I like. I, I thought that that she was from birth, um, Payman, but didn't like 
Payman didn't know Payman was Payman. You know what I'm saying? Like they brought the they brought the demon and put it in a baby and then raised it, kind of like how the Antichrist would be raised as a baby and not know it's the Antichrist until it's like activated or whatever. Does that make so sense? Wouldn't... Okay, I just can't buy that the king of hell would be allergic to peanuts. That's fair. So and that that's my thing. I think Charlie was in t- was the original intended, you know, and I think maybe Lee had done a ritual on Charlie to like make Charlie the the vessel for payment. Um, well, the original the original um, vessel for for payment was going to be um, Peter. Peter, but, but she didn't uh, allow. Yeah, she, not- they, she was barred from from seeing him, and then whenever she had Charlie. Um, I mean, she. Was, I mean, her mother was trying to breastfeed Charlie. Yeah, which makes me so, think that that was always payment. No, I think you know it's think? Charlie because no, uh, it's Charlie because because one, I I genuinely believe Joan is communicating with her dead grandson because you the, as fucked up as Joan is, um, she's too into it and too too excited. I don't know. I think that she's just a really, I think that this whole time they've been like, they were trying to plant um, the family to go to the open seance. And when that didn't work, um, you know, she even references, I went to this open seance and they, and they, they showed, they manifested this 19th century man. I think that the whole time, like I have now I'm of two minds cause I, I buy your side, but I also still have my, my head cannon that Joan used a spell of some kind to make, you know, to manipulate the glass and... But then why would it work when... So when... when Here's here's my belief that it's Charlie. That Charlie's Charlie. Because during the seance scene at, at at the house, um, Annie is very obviously possessed by Charlie and screaming, Mom! Mom! Mommy! Mom, I'm scared! Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I always kind of assumed that that was just like, Payman kind of manipulating Peter into being more and more traumatized and more and more fearful because they had to break, they had to break, they had to break Peter emotionally, mentally, and physically in order for Peter to be able to, they couldn't, I don't think they could just kill Peter. Then they had to break Peter. This whole scene. Oh my God. Um, So, uh, this uh, this answer is a scary scene for me. The other kind of freaky scene for me is like I don't say freaky. There's there's two more scenes that kind of get to me every time. One is when Joan is just screaming at the school, and Peter's kind of like, "Bitch, what the fuck? Is no one is no one it is no one seeing this?" That's what also made me think that it was a spell of some kind. Because Peter's able to see things that everyone else can't um, and hear the things that they're doing. I thought, I think that they were just doing black magic to maybe like projecting or something. Cause she's maybe like, there's no way that she could be across the street screaming Peter's name and saying, get out or whatever, leave yeah. without people being like, Peter, what the, who the fuck is that lady? Do you know her? Like, there's no way. Peter, what the fuck? 
I think so, that, okay. I think that she was the projecting. Other thing, the other thing that gets to me is when Peter like finds his dad, dad, dead, his dad's dad, but fuck, his dad's dead body. Um, and like you clearly see him like start to grieve, and then he doesn't even get the chance to process this because he turns around and there's just some naked man smiling in his home. Yeah, the cult people really, those people, you know how I feel about cult, about cult shit. And them all smiling naked, the way that they smile just creeps me the fuck. What is it about cults? Why do they got to smile? So what would you have done? Like in this situation, if like, if, if, if Michael accidentally summoned some demon and then naked people started appearing in your home, because... Tammy was part of some cult that you didn't know about? I don't know. Burn the house down and hope that I can get the insurance money for one thing. (laughs) I feel like you'd be like, okay, that's enough. Also that, like... I don't know. And they never try to attack him. Like, it's it's Annie. So Annie and Peter's relationship to me is really interesting because (coughs) sorry Um, you can tell Peter misses his mom and you can tell they both want to like be closer but they can't because of the trauma there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Because even in the dinner scene, which is my favorite scene in the entire film, um, he's like, you have something to say, Mom? And she's like, no, why don't I have something to say? Like, you can clearly tell, like, this family doesn't talk. They don't talk to each other. And I think that's why she screams at him. Because, like... She's, she's really saying him. so much. She's she she's held all this in. And yeah. it's obviously eaten away at her. And she even says, she's like, and I wish I could take that away from you. I wish I could protect you from what you did. But I, you won't admit to anything you did. Um, so I can't forgive and I can't get rid of it. And she's like, because nobody admits to what they did. Because she obviously feels bad too. She can't admit to what she did either. Yeah, what, I wish that the dad hadn't interrupted. But I also think that it, it felt more real that the dad stopped anymore from something. All right, that's enough. Yeah, because Steve was not having it. I am your mother. Oh, that's such a... Mm. Such a good scene. Can you think of any... I don't think that we could ever find a movie that would double feature with this. Because it's so long. I mean, Midsummer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be there. I think that's probably the only... And maybe Rosemary's Baby. Literally those three. Depression, the double feature. Yeah. <laughs> trauma, the double feature. Yeah, trauma, because it's not like it's not like watching fried green tomatoes and steel magnolias back to back so that you can get a good cry. This is like a watch these back to back so that you can lay in bed at night staring at the blinds. <laughs> staring at me like, what am I okay? Am I okay? So okay, out of the out of the two, are you are you a hereditary gay or a midsummer gay? 
Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed Hereditary a lot more than Midsummer. Okay, but yeah, I, I love them both. I love them both. I enjoy I enjoy Hereditary more. I feel like people. Here's my issue with Midsummer, and we'll talk about this when we we'll talk about this more when we cover Midsummer because eventually we're gonna cover Midsummer. Um, I think people latch on it. They're like, it's a queer story. It's not a queer story. What do they think is queer about it? Because she finds a chosen family. I'm like, no, these people gaslight her into her choices. Yeah, not at it. She's traumatized. She is traumatized. Boots. I mean, I, I guess that we're that that gay people are traumatized as well, and then we find our queer family. But our queer family isn't the one that traumatizes us. Yeah, our queer family doesn't. We find know, our queer family to repair our trauma. Our our queer family doesn't date rape our boyfriend and then make us walk in on it. Right. No, definitely. I mean, Midsummer is definitely not my pick. I do enjoy Midsummer, but I don't think I could ever watch it again. I actually found that one more viscerally like disturbing than Hereditary, but I, I love, okay. enjoy. I feel like I, I, like I enjoy Midsummer more. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I feel like I enjoy Hereditary more because I love Tony Collette, and I just feel like I vibe with it more. Yeah, I mean it's more of a it's more of, of my up my alley because it's part possession, part haunted house, um, part like family melodrama with great horror elements. Not really any, not really jump scares. The only jump scare really is is when Annie jumps out of the corner at him at the end. Yeah, that's fair. But like even but then, it's that. there's it's it's like so much is happening that it's hard to really, for me to really call it a jump scare because there's so much scary stuff happening in those moments that everything just meshes together really well. But it is the closest thing um, to jump scare I can, that I can really. The, the one, there's one part of the movie I don't enjoy. What's and that? that's at the end when you see the ball of light kind of go into Peter because in the rest of the film, you don't see any sort of apparition or anything like that. You see the the like buzzing lightning kind of like thing in the hallways when Peter's alone. I, you do? Because I feel like I've never seen that ball. Of oh, yeah, girl. Like a lot. It, they do it. Um, I think it mostly or exclusively happens to him when he's alone at school. Um because it happens in the classroom whenever he looks into the the little glass thing and sees his reflection, like, smiling at him. Uh, it happens when he is walking okay. down the hallway and there is someone in a, like, through a door and he sees the occult member wave at him all weird. Um, okay. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to, I, I just didn't pick up on that. It was really it. subtle. It, it really, it really kind of, like, goes all in with that whole Paimon going into him at the end and it's not my favorite effect if i'm being honest but i think that it was there because there needed to be a visual indicator for the audience yeah that peter is seeing something he had to have seen something to become suspicious and think that because tony uh annie says that something like something's or he says that something somebody something's happening to him there's a malevolent force of some kind attacking him um, cause he calls his dad crying or something and the dad calls her and says that he feels this way. Um, so 
Um, I really like that he never goes into detail of like what the cult wants and why they're doing this. Um, or even like what's go- like their setup. Like there's no explanation of this fucking cult. Mm-hmm. It comes out of nowhere, but it makes sense at the same time. It, yeah, I can, because I can say like from what I've read um, from year, like years ago, Paymon appears to be like the one that's capable of uh, like a, like think of like a demon that is a scholar and able to provide you with the, the means to make abundant, an abundant amount of money um, to control everyone around you. Like basically. So Paymon's Paymon's basic, he's the king of, he's like one of the Kings of hell and his, his, his claim to power is that he can manipulate. And that's a lot of what the story is, is this family's being manipulated and everything. There's a lot of manipulation, especially with Joan, who honestly, if there's a villain in this film, it's Joan. Yeah, obviously she's the leader of the cult. Watching it again and knowing what the what she's up to, I'm like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah, whenever you watched it the first time, did you feel like Joan was a bad person? No, I was like, okay, this woman, this poor woman. And then like you, you like you go through and you see Annie like go through the through the 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 scrapbook, and you're like, oh, that's weird. Oh my god. It was whenever she goes to the house or goes to Joan's house and they zoom out of the window where she's banging on it. <laughs> and you see all of this like cult yeah. imagery and yeah. stuff, but watch it's a testament to how good the directing and writing is that watching this the first time I'm grieving with Annie. Yeah. So when Joan comes up and desperately tries to get her to come inside or to connect with her in some way and Annie's resistant, I'm like thankful that someone is there for Annie. Yeah. Uh, and she goes, she takes up to the seance and she's so happy and she, she gets to meet her kid. This is going to be how Annie can figure out, you know, that her daughter is Pime is Paymon. That's what I thought watching it. The did first you time. Think, so did you think that Joan is the one who kind of slips the seance thing into their... Into yes. Their I, well, any of the cult people, but it's definitely one of the cultists that does that. Because there, there's, like... So, when... Um, in the beginning of the film, when Peter's in his room smoking mm-hmm. out of the bong, it cuts to, like, a window shot. And if you look closely, you can see a, presumably a man breathing outside of the window. Um... There's so it makes it makes me think that and like they they have the the shot where it goes from dark to night and yeah. in the daytime it's normal at nighttime you see a bunch of nude cultists it it makes me think that you know this is obviously a big network of people and they're watching this family getting to know them getting to see what they're up to knowing their routine they're planning this out they're planting the seeds Like the open seance was meant for them to come to the open seance because then the passage that needs to be read could be read. Um, thus starting this huge, you know, series of events that are going to lead to this family 
being killed and and Peter's body being taken over. I wonder if she had, and again, this is a whole thing with fate. Had had Annie not read the passage that was given to her in another language by Joan, if she had not read that, I wonder if things could have turned out differently. But that's the part of the that's part of the movie is what could have been done differently? Could anything have been done differently? Was this yeah. really all fate? Does that make it more tragic? And I, I wanted they asked that some they, they asked that in the film and every like every like hereditary ending explained comment section is very much like I I don't know if it's sadder that, you know, they didn't have a choice or if it would be sadder if they did. And I'm like, it would definitely, it's definitely sadder that they don't have a choice. Okay, you know? I was about to ask, where, where do you fall on that? Because I think it's more tragic that they, this family does not have a choice, that their life is just ruined because of a choice that the grandma made. The grandma who was, who was fucking, you know, pushed to the side and been like, no, we don't, you, you are a toxic person. Well, from and, birth, like, you, you don't get to this family anymore because of how toxic you are. It's assumed that she only had children for the purpose of finding a host. Yeah. And clearly she didn't do it with, with, her, with her only son. She tried. Yeah. Do you think that's what, that he wasn't schizophrenic and that's what was yeah. going on? Okay. He said she was trying to put people in him. Okay, yeah. Do you think that she... So now I'm wondering, did the dad really have a psychotic episode and starve to death? That's never really brought... As, uh, as far as like my seven watches of this film, I've never gotten a moment where I was like, oh, that explains the, the dad. Yeah. I think it's one of those parts where they're like, they're trying to show that there's been a lot of trauma, that the... that the whole family's been through. Um, I was thinking, well, what if the dad is a botched attempt as well? Well, I'm, I'm thinking based on it being a hereditary thing and the fact that Steve was never used as part, was never planned to be part of the ritual, that it had to be... Um, an unfortunate circumstance. It had to be, yeah, he, it had to be someone that was related to... Um, the grandmother, because she's essentially like the queen, like she's like queen, uh, queen, she's like queen Paimon. She's, yeah, they, they, you see the thing that says Queen Lee. Yeah, so I'm thinking that it had to be her blood kin that were to, you know, assume the, the, I guess, like beheaded status or whatever, because Paimon is a, a feminine faced, uh, but masculine referred to. Uh, deity with three beheaded heads um, oh. tied to his his like his mount. So I always just assumed that the beheading of the of Queen Lee, of Annie, and of Charlie were to represent those three heads. Those are the offering the grandmother offered herself. Uh, and she also offered Annie, and presumably she set in a, she set in motion the cultists to carry out the uh, beheading of Charlie as offerings to Paimon. 
Okay, do you think the cult really does that? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think the cult's way more powerful than So the cult is a nut allergy and they put nuts in a cake. I don't think they have to. I think that they, I mean, okay, so I'm going to get a little like, so Paimon's the queen, is the king of manipulation, right? Would it, wouldn't it make sense then that his followers would be able to access knowledge and texts and curses and spells that would allow the, the cultists to um, pray to something or offer something that would allow the, the forces that be to take matters into their own hands and to kind of like weave this timeline and these circumstances that lead to the that lead to Charlie getting cake with nuts in it because you see on the the sign on the the light post that whenever they're going to the party and it has that long shot of Peter and Charlie driving to the party it uh-huh. goes like a, it's the car coming forward and then it stops on the the post that Charlie gets beheaded on and there's, it's scratched in there is Paimon symbol. Paimon symbol. That's a big brain moment. I'm proud of you. This is, this is, this is the most intelligent you've sounded to me. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, girl, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really into cult shit. You're like, you're about to be like, hey, girl. I feel like you're about to bite me over like, hey, girl. So we're gonna summon a devil to end COVID. I mean, I would, but the it's really hard to find that book. Okay. I found I found a bunch of it online as a teenager, so I'm like still really skeptical about what I read because it was online. But I had found like a PDF or something. I would love to own it though, just so that I could go through it because I was really interested in like the the way that they described them. And the, uh-huh. the images. Do you remember that photo of, um, I believe it was like Fricus or something that I had on my refrigerator? Yes. Um, I drew that from the, from the, uh, the key of Solomon. So what I want you to do is I want you to listen to the Black Tapes podcast. Okay. Um, because I feel like you'd, I feel like you'd really be into it. It's kind of like it's it's a fictional podcast, but I really feel like you'd be into it because it's about it just goes off the rails. Um, it's about weird cult shit. Okay, I'm down. Um, Shout out I, to Black Tapes. So, um, do you have anything else to say about Hereditary? Um. I hope that they never remake it. I don't think they will. I, I, feel, I, I would hope that they wouldn't, and I hope that there's never like a like if they wanted to, if they if if Ali Aster decides that down, years down the line that he's like his movies are all going to have like hidden something that kind of share a universe. I just don't want them to do to this movie like the, I don't want I don't want there to be like a Conjuring universe kind of universe for Hereditary. Yeah. If he wants to hide Easter eggs in his movies, that would I'd be totally like that'd be really cool to me. But I don't I don't want to see a follow up to this film. I don't want to see a remake of this film. Yeah, I don't I don't need I don't need a follow up. I don't need a sequel. I don't want a bunch of copycats. I don't think we're gonna get them. But I don't want a bunch of copycats. I do want horror movies to learn from this movie. 
something. No, yeah. I want them to learn, like, the fact that I was able to go into this movie and completely have everything that I thought about, like, that I thought was going to happen in this movie be turned on its head. That is, for real, like, that's effective horror because my all of my expectations, every time I thought, like, I was being, like, big brain, and I was like, okay, so here's what's going to happen now. I've seen enough horror movies. I've seen, you know, a bunch of cult movies. I know exactly what's going to happen. And then it doesn't happen. And then they yeah. fuck me up some other way. That is effective as fuck. I'm into it. I really like that. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things. You know how I feel. I like a movie that kind of takes your expectations and twists what's going to happen. It's like, oh, you thought this was going to happen? No, 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 no. Um. Because even even in Night of the Living Dead, you're like, okay, great. You know, our main character lived through the night. He's going to be fine. And then he gets shot and killed at the very mm-hmm. end of the film. And you're kind of like... Well... Um... And to me, like, the movie... Like, the movie... Yes, the movie's about a cult. But the movie's about grief and, and trauma... Yeah. And how these people are like and and how these people are dealing with the fact that they have gone through the worst thing in the world. A lesser movie would have focused more on the cult stuff and not have delved in so hardcore into the the grief and the resentment. And I think that's that what makes builds more dread. Sense. Like that builds more dread for me than than oh yep, there's a cult that's that's manipulating everything that's happening. Have you seen the strange things about the Johnsons? No. Okay. Everyone tells me to watch it. What? Everyone tells me I need to watch it. Okay. I'm going to put this out there for anybody listening. You may have seen the, the TikTok, like, don't watch the strange things about the Johnsons. Here's the thing. I watched it today, right after watching Hereditary. Are you literally um, depressed? I'm not just, de- I'm not going to get into what I, I, everything that I felt because then I have to get into a bunch of other stuff. But I want to put out there a, a, this movie did not have a content warning. I kind of wish it did. It's a short film. It's 20 minute, 29 minutes long. It was Ali's, I believe, debut short film. I could be wrong about the debut, but it was a short film made in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, so a content warning, uh, I'm just going to, I don't want to give anything away. So I'm going to say a content warning of the sexual nature. Um, to give a full content warning, I would be giving away the, the, the big twist. So if you have a hard time with anything of a sexual nature, don't watch it. Um, I will I can go ahead and say like trigger warning rape, but it was really heavy. Um, if you're going to watch it, make sure you have enough time to like take a, take a shower and process and then watch a couple of episodes of like Foster's home for imaginary friends or something. I didn't, I watched it on my lunch break and I had to go to work and Big. I was, yeah, it was miserable. Um, I, 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 after literally after hereditary ended, I was like, let's watch Midsummer, And then I was like, mm. no girl. 
if you want to watch hereditary and watch like jason goes to hell do it girl you're fine but um you need to be watching too heavy the thing hereditary is one of those films i love i cannot watch it no it's not going to be one that i watch a lot yeah yeah i think it'll be something whenever i'm dealing with something and i need to like process process it'll be a good movie for that because it kind of forces you into that like grieving like it makes you think about i had to to, like yeah this wasn't really a fun episode like a really funny episode you all i'm i'm sorry that like we made you wait for two weeks and we we hit you with hereditary um in the time of corona right if Michael was here, he could have made it funny because he's just been like, I've been, he comes in, it walks in and out of the room as I'm watching it. And he like makes like lighthearted fun at the way that Alex Wolf cries. Out of context of watching the film, it is a very like goofy sounding cry, but it's also like a pain, like a pain cry. Yeah. But you also don't hear men, you don't often hear men cry like that in film. So. I don't know. It was just, it was a really heavy episode. I kind of had a feeling this is what it was going to turn into. And, and then I'm like, if you're up, to, if you're up for it, go watch the secret, the secret things of, of Johnson's or whatever. Um, which is also, and for everything that Hereditary does in an like two hour time frame, in 29 minutes, the Johnson's movie does just as maybe not just as good work, but really powerful, almost equal work in 29 minutes. I don't think I could watch it, to be honest. If you do watch it, watch it. um, Watch it during the day, whenever you have plenty of time to process and watch something funny. It is really good. You can tell that this, for someone who doesn't like horror, he does a really good job at creating horror. Like, for real. No, he doesn't like horror movies. Okay. I think it's because of uh, the movies that he's trying to make are so vastly different from what the mainstream horror kind of is. That's fair. Like, look at his work. I'm not saying that horror movies aren't art because they definitely are and they have a place. Um, And I love them. That's the whole, like, that's, that's the, we have a podcast. Um, But what he makes is art. Like, art, art. Like, He's not just killing. He's not just killing hot women and hot men. He's not filling a cast full of hot people and killing them off one by one with tits out. And it's about it's about something. It's about something, um, which I enjoy. You know, I like movies. Like I like. There's time for me to be like, okay, I just need to watch people get cut up. I'm pissed off. I need to just yeah. I need to watch you know that. But then there's also time where I'm like I want to think about something. I want to sit down. I really like this is this is like I love both of them obviously because. I always say my my tastes are so like I only like to watch. There's like a, there's some meme where it's like I only watch sophisticated horror movies like Hereditary and Rosemary's Baby, and then it's like another one. The other one's like f- also me. Fuck it, we're watching Sleepaway Camp three. Like, yeah. I, that's very. I feel like that's every horror fan, and I feel like that's why we love the genre. Yeah. Because, like there's times we're like eh, let's just watch something dumb, but fun. And it's fun to laugh and be like, haha, look at this. Like, this is fun, you know? But then there's times where it's like, this is genuine. I 
it's it's kind of weird that we enjoy feeling that way but i feel like it helps us work through stuff yeah definitely because i feel like i watched hereditary and my aunt had just passed away and i kind of feel like it helped me process that trauma in a way that's deep which is dumb is that dumb no i don't think so but it's kind of like no like i'm i'm processing my trauma through tony collette i was able to like not really it didn't really help me to process um the non-grief that i had when like we had a, a couple of like my 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 family had had a couple of rough years of of deaths like prece- like preceding each other pretty quickly um and i just didn't i mean it's not that i didn't care you know i was like that it's a shame that they're that they're dead i'm sorry that everybody's hurting so much but i wasn't hurting yeah. and and i didn't need hereditary to help me through that but i was able to watch hereditary and revisit that feeling and relate that feel like it was a movie that was able to like grab me by my own my own heartstrings so to speak yeah. and kind of like make me feel that again so it yeah, is a, I think I've, it'd be a really a really tough movie but a good movie maybe to watch if you're ever experiencing something like that yeah it's a really good movie okay let's wrap it up because the siren's coming and the the people who like to yell below my window are starting to yell <laughs> I love remote. I love remote uh, podcasting, sis. Okay. Um, okay. Well, support your local bartenders. Um, we love you all. Thank you for joining us. Um, find us on social media at Really Queer. Um, I'm Sydney Hampton. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and everything else at the Sydney Hampton. And uh, don't follow me because I don't post anything. Fair enough. All right. Well. All right. Um, love you, Diva. I miss you. Love you, Diva.